Well, man, welcome back to a wonderful day. It's wonderful because it's the day the Lord's made, and we've already rejoiced in it. I hope you're glad in it this morning. I hope that you're uh, sensing the Lord this morning like I am, and I hope you're ready to jump into the Word of God and experience what God has for us today, learn what God has for us today. Uh, I believe that as we look at the Word of God today, you're going to be encouraged as we continue in our reset. And I know that many of you have already started your reset. You've jumped right in that and, and you've grabbed that resource. And, and uh, if you didn't get that book last week, we have those uh, available uh, for you. It's not too late for you to jump in and get started on that, and I hope that you will. Uh, I want to remind you of a few things. We really want every one of you to go through this 20-day prayer reset. We, we're asking you to do that, and it's not too late for you to start that. You say, well, man, I, I missed last week or whatever. It's okay. Jump right into it and start walking through 20 days of a prayer reset in your life, because I believe that God is going to speak to you through that. And, uh, you know, the other day I told someone that what I hoped came out of the reset would be that we would just experience the presence of the Lord and that our faith would be encouraged uh, as we kind of renewed our fervor for prayer and our passion for prayer. And I kind of got a soft rebuke from this person that was like, well, pastor, if we do that, that's going to happen. That's not a hope. That's going to happen. I received that, right? As we seek the Lord, we know this, those who seek him, find him. And so we're grateful for that this morning, and we praise that, uh, th that fact this morning. So make sure you jump into that. Also, I want to remind you that tonight is the second session of our renewal conference. And our guest speaker tonight is Scott Patty. And uh, I've been talking with Scott over the last couple of weeks about what he was going to be bringing to us tonight as he talks about prayer and renewal for us. And I'm encouraging all of you to be here tonight for that. We'll start at 6. We'll be done by 7. Uh, as we go through this kind of season of renewal, like we did last year, this is our second annual renewal conference. And for the rest of the month of February, every Sunday night, we have a guest speaker coming to speak to us about this topic. And so make sure that you have that scheduled out and that you're planning uh, to be here. And finally, I want to remind you that the last week of the month, is going to be reserved as a week of prayer and fasting. So June, or not June. Wow. Who's ready for VBS? You know, we've been talking about it, man. We're excited. Let's go. Um, not yet. Renewal. It's going to be prayer and fasting, February 25th through the 28th. And we're asking you to do something a little bit unusual. We're going to have the church open uh, in the morning at 6 a.m. and at noon. With 30 minutes of directed prayer, both of those times, one of our ministers will be leading every one of those sessions. And, and I want to encourage you to try to hit one of those every day, to be here for that. Uh, we, we're trying to design it in such a way so that you can uh, jump in before work and still have plenty of time to get home, get dressed, or get on to work, or, or come at your lunch break and still have time to get back uh, to work on time, those kinds of things. And we want you to be here for that. Uh, we're asking you to join us in prayer. Uh, we're asking you to, to really make that a priority. And, and we want that to, to just be an extended time. So we won't just finish in 30 minutes. I mean, the church will be open. If you want to stay and pray longer, you'll have that opportunity to do that. But we want, we want to have that happen. And I want to remind you of the point of all of this. We just really want to experience the presence of the Lord. That's what we want. We're not asking for some grand thing that, you know, that there's something, some mountain right in front of us that we need to move. But let's put it this way. Let's get ahead of that mountain that we need to move. You know, we, we know that that's coming. You've got it coming in your life. 
I've got it coming in mind. We've got it coming in our church's life. We, we know that. So let's get ahead of that and get ready for God to do something uh, in our midst. And I want us to know the power of the Lord, the power of his resurrection, the closeness of the Holy Spirit like we've never known uh, this month. And I'm praying that that will happen. And I believe it'll be incredible for us to see all that God does during this month. With that said, let's jump into the scripture. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 37. That's where we're going to be reading from this morning. This psalm is credited to David, and it's interesting because if you've read the book of Proverbs, you know that it's wisdom literature, and most of them, a majority of them, were written by David's son, Solomon. Uh, but when we read Psalm 37, uh, the title of it in, in some of our, our Bibles is just instruction and wisdom, you know, and, and it's important for us to understand as we read this, I believe this is almost like David's proverb. You know what I mean? This, this, is, this is David speaking to us about wisdom in our lives and it's David's attempt to impart that wisdom to us to help us on our journey. And when we read this Psalm, there are several things for us to observe that I find particularly useful for the present time. And by present time, I mean the days in which we're living. The, the days in which we're living, this psalm speaks into that. And, and it speaks into the framework of how we need to think about the days in which we're living and how we need to live our lives in light of the days in which we're living. But I also believe that as we're in this kind of month of renewal, that this passage speaks to that as well as we walk through it together. So I want us to read this passage prayerfully this morning and ask God to speak to our lives from this passage. And before we get started, let me just say just a quick note. Uh, this morning, I'm, I'm kind of changing up. If, if you follow along with the, the, the translation that I normally read, I normally read from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, but I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version of the Bible. You're fr probably familiar with that because that's the, the material that we use in life groups has that in there. So I'm, I'm reading from that this morning, uh, and so we'll, you'll see that on the screen, okay? Uh, verse 1, Psalm 37. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like the grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage and don't be agitated. It can only bring harm. Uh, you know, if you've ever felt overwhelmed or outnumbered or, or felt like no one appreciated you in a culture that seems more and more hostile to the things of God. I believe this psalm is for you. Uh, it, it fits perfectly with this season of renewal because it sets the framework for dwelling in a land where we now know that one thing is necessary. We learned that last week. Do you remember? We studied the story of Mary and Martha and we learned that Mary really grasped this one thing that was necessary and Martha received a, a, kind of this rebuke from the Lord where, where she's kind of complaining about her sister sitting at Jesus' feet and the Lord said, Mary chose the one thing, this, this necessary thing. Everything else falls to the wayside, and that's to receive the word of God and dwell in his presence and, and just enjoy that. And that was the necessary thing. And as we read this psalm, I think it, it speaks possibly to us to the same type thing. Uh, you know, I believe that as we walk with the Lord, it doesn't matter this morning if you've only known the Lord for a week 
or if you're one of our senior saints who's known the Lord for 80 years, it doesn't matter. Wherever you're at in your journey, there's an opportunity for you to go deeper in that relationship with the Lord. If you've known him a week, man, it's, it's all right in front of you. You can, you can take that next step. And if you've known him for 80 years, you still haven't exhausted the riches and the depths of the relationship that you can have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beautiful thing about knowing the Lord. It never stops. It, we, we never get to that place where we go, I got it all. Finally, I got it all. And, and I want you to see that because this morning, I want you to know that there's something in this psalm that speaks to a barrier that could keep us from growing in the Lord. It's a barrier that, that could stop us from going deeper with the Lord and really enjoying him. And this barrier is explained in verse one. Look at it again with me. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Don't envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like the grass and wilt like tender green plants. David drops this key piece of wisdom to us in the first line when he says, don't be agitated by evildoers. Don't be agitated by evildoers. This word agitated might be translated fret in your Bible. It's kind of an older word that we use sometimes when you're fretting about something. We think sometimes that could mean just to be worried, but, but the, the root of this word really means that you kind of get a, a little bit of an internal burning anger going on, like you're seething from the inside. And, and you've probably experienced it in the last week. I, I grow tired of, uh, of, of looking around and I get angry and I see it sometimes when I watch the culture and, and I see the latest celebrity talking about morals as if they have some grand idea that's never been espoused before and, and really it's just immorality. It, it makes me angry. You know, I, I get frustrated with it. Uh, maybe you've watched some of the incredible circus that seems to be American politics lately and you've been angry, right? You turn on the news or you read the latest report, it disgusts you to see grown men and women acting like children. Does that get frustrating to you sometimes that, that that's the state of our country? Or, or perhaps you see someone at school who's getting away with something. They're lying, they're cheating, they're living immorally, and it just seems like they're, they're headed in the right direction, and you're trying to do the right thing, and it just doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere. Or you're at work, and you see that person who cheats the system and games the system, and they're moving up in the company while you're trying your hardest, and it just doesn't seem like it's working. Well, whatever it is, there's probably something you could say that could possibly start that burning feeling in your chest, that seething anger from the inside. And maybe it makes you so angry you just want to cuss. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but Junior Hill once said that he got so angry he wanted to cuss. He was an evangelist, spoke here one time, and somebody asked him, well, did you do it? And he said, no, but I wrote one down and signed my name to it. You know, well, maybe that's how you feel this morning, right? It's like, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but I'll write my name down and sign, sign my name right beside the word, right? I mean, it, it just feels that way sometimes. You, you know what I mean? You're just burning on the inside. Verse one also says, don't envy those who do wrong. And envy could mean that you desire their position, but there's a, another nuance to that translation of the word. It means that you perceive someone has gained an unfair advantage right? That you perceive that they're gaining an unfair advantage and it, it frustrates you and, and it makes you envious because of that. And it seems these people who seem to get everything while you're not rewarded for doing the right things. Right now in our country, there's mounting pressure on Christians to fold and bend to the culture on everything from sexuality to gender 
to the consumption of drugs and alcohol at every turn. We're told that we're old-fashioned, that we're out of date, that we're hateful, just because we believe and hold to a biblical truth. And if that makes you angry, I understand, because it makes me angry to see our country exclude truth and and promote evil at every turn. It, It makes me sick of the culture that we live in. Maybe right now I can hear you thinking about that verse we talked about last week. You remember the part where Jesus drove everybody out of the temple in righteous indignation right before he called it a house of prayer. And and we like to think about our anger as being righteous and that being a good thing. And and one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 4.26 because it says, be angry and do not sin. But, But I don't think that it's meant to justify my anger. I like it to do that, but I I don't think that that's what it means. I think it means that anger is really dangerous, and most of the time when you are angry, you sin, and that verse kind of stands up as a flashing yellow light in your eyes saying, be careful. Don't run off the road right here. You could really mess up by being angry. You know, David thought this was so important, he actually repeats it two more times in this psalm. Look at verse uh, verse 7. Be silent before the Lord, wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Now we'll come back to this verse in just a minute, but I don't want you to miss the importance of it. When someone who is evil is prospering or carrying out evil plans, we're not to give our emotional energy to that in anger. You you shouldn't be wasting your emotional energy in that in anger. We're to hold off anger from burning us up from the inside And now before you think I'm telling you just to sit back and be passive and and don't worry about any of this stuff, don't do that because we understand from the scripture when the righteous have an opportunity to thwart evil, we should. When we can stand up and, and, and proclaim what is righteous and keep people from evil, we should. Proverbs 24, 11 says, rescue those being taken off to death. Save those stumbling towards the slaughter. If you say, but we didn't know about this, Won't he who weighs the heart consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Won't he repay a person according to his work? Listen, we we need to stand up when we can affect something and do something we should. Every time I read this verse, you know who I think about? I think about William Wilberforce. If you're not familiar with him, you should be. We sing a song that was kind of written to go along with a movie uh, it was, it's the tag of the song, a new chorus to the song. We, we all grew up singing Amazing Grace, but when we sing My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free, it kind of comes out of that movie, Amazing Grace. And it's about the, the, the life of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce lived in Great Britain, and he grew tired of slavery. He saw it as an unrighteous institution, and he tirelessly worked to abolish it. Until he finally did. And praise the Lord for that. When you have the opportunity to affect something, you should. But what we understand is that there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. We feel powerless to change the situation. And humanly speaking, we are powerless. But we must refrain from anger. And here's why. Look at verse 8 again. Refrain from anger. Give up your rage. Don't be agitated. It can only bring harm. Bible students will tell you that one of the first things that they learn when they start to study the scripture is that uh, repetition in the biblical literature is added for emphasis. It's really important. Now, you've read it three times in eight verses. It's pretty important, isn't it? David's saying something to us that's really important. And I I don't want you to miss this. I want you to really vector in on what I'm saying here because this is important. 
You only have so much emotional energy to invest in anything, and there's a cap on it. And you run out of emotional energy when you choose to spend it all on anger. Anger depletes you, and it does exactly what verse 8 says. It only brings harm. You literally run out of it, this emotional energy. So when you spend time being angry at the culture or your coworker or someone in your peer group, who's getting away with evil, or you spend time mad that the Republicans didn't convict the president or mad that the Democrats impeached him in the first place. When when you waste your life on that, let me tell you what happens. You empty your emotional energy tank on something you literally have no control over and it keeps you from doing something incredible that's vital to your spiritual growth. Look back at verse three. Trust in the Lord Do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. You can't control anyone else in your life. But you can trust the Lord and do good and you can delight in the Lord. And this only works if you're in a place of peace. When all your emotional energy is is spent on something you can't control in anger, you you literally can't be angry and be delighting in the Lord. It it doesn't work. Have you ever tried to take a vacation when you're angry? Some of you laughing like, yeah, last year, man, it was awesome, right? That was a waste of a foul right there. Gone, poof, money out the window. It doesn't work, right? You can't enjoy the beach when you're angry. You can't enjoy the hike when you're angry. You can't delight in anything when you're burning from the inside. When you're seething on the end, it, it doesn't work. And here we have this command to trust in the Lord and do what is good, dwell in the land and live securely, and to delight in the Lord. You know, when you trust in the Lord, so many of the things that could drive you crazy just don't seem to matter very much, do they? I don't mean that evil is good or it's okay to turn a blind eye to things, but all of a sudden you have a perspective because you realize that God's in control. You look around at the world and now you're trusting in the Lord, not worried about what's going on in the world and all these things you can't change. And as you trust in the Lord and do good, guess what? You are changing things. When you trust in the Lord and you do good, you change your school. When you trust in the Lord and you do good, you change your family. When you trust in the Lord and do good, you change a neighborhood, change a city. We can change a country. That's how it works when we trust in the Lord and do good. When you take delight in the Lord, it means that you take pleasure and enjoyment from Him. I want you to make this connection with me because it's so important. I believe that we're not delighting in the Lord because too many of us are walking around frustrated and angry all the time. We don't delight in Him. We don't talk about taking pleasure in the Lord. We don't talk about just enjoying Him. We we don't talk about those those moments of peace. In, In fact, let me just ask you, when was the last time you just sat before the Lord and you just delighted in Him? That's a funny word, isn't it? Like if somebody tells you they're delighted, you kind of don't believe them, right? If, if you say like, how are you delighted to see you? What does that even mean? That's kind of old school, isn't it, right? It's, it's different. But you know, when I was growing up, we used to have a dessert and it was called chocolate delight, right? All you chocolate people just went, mm. You don't even know what it looks like. And you just went, mm-hmm. It was chocolate and delightful. It had to be good, <laughs> Right? You, you delight in it. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. 
It's just one of those things in, in your life. When was the last time you just took pleasure and enjoyed the Lord? I don't mean that you have an affection for him because I believe we all have an affection for the Lord. I, I believe that. I don't mean we're even, we're not talking about just loving the Lord. This is different. This is that you sat before him and enjoyed him. Have you had lunch with someone recently who couldn't put down their phone? That's a waste of an hour, isn't it? Because they don't enjoy you. They're enjoying some other conversation that they're having, texting their friends or looking at Instagram or snapping back something or whatever, totally missing the moment. When you enjoy someone, the agenda falls away and you just enjoy being with them, right? No agenda. It's just pleasurable for you to be together with him. That's what prayer should look like for us. This isn't some rush thing where we just run into the Lord and sit down and go, check, done, and out the door, and I'm complaining because I'm angry about this and this and this and this and fix it, and I'm so angry, and oh, man. No. It's where you just stop. I'm glad to be here, Lord, and I know you are too because your word says that you've waited on this and that I'm the apple of your eye. That you sent your son to die in my place. I'm, let's just hang, man. This is good. Let's just sit right here together. When we engage in prayer like that, prayer's not an obligation anymore, is it? Now, all of a sudden, it's a joy where we express our pleasure and enjoyment in the presence of our maker as we read the scripture and pray. And we love the last part of verse four, don't we? We love that one where he says, you know, he'll grant you the desires of your heart. We love that. But can I tell you something? I don't know many believers who can truthfully say that God's granting the desires of their heart because they never delight in him. I mean, they just don't. This should be normative for us. And instead, when somebody is delighting in the Lord and God's granting the desires of their heart, we think they're like a unicorn or something. We, we just, you know, like, what, what's so different about them? Probably that they delighted in the Lord. Probably they just took time with him. And it's available to us. It, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a secret of how we get there. I mean, it's available to us to be able to do this. We delight in the Lord, it means we stop giving our emotional energy to anger and frustration and we give it all to the Lord. And as you do that, the next part of that is verse five. It becomes a reality for us. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. You prayerfully start to commit your way to the Lord as you delight in him and he's aligning your heart to his. And It's funny, right? When you start dating someone, things change a little bit, right? Things are just different. All of a sudden, the things you used to like become maybe not quite as important, and there's some shared interest. We were out to dinner the other night as a, as a family, and uh, it's kind of a little small room where we were eating, and a young uh, couple was there and happened to be their anniversary, and our waiter proceeded to give them one of the best marriage speeches I've ever heard in front of all of us. Uh, somebody should have videoed it. Sarah Kate said she almost did. Um, 
But you know, he, he, he said something. He said, you know, you're walking through the mall with your lady and, and she says to you, that's a nice dress. He says, that doesn't mean you agree. That means you take yourself back there and you buy the thing, right? He said, you know, you go home and your wife says, you know, I think a shelf would look nice right there. That means you go to Lowe's and you get a shelf, right? You, you know, your, your heart's desires, they, they become in tune with one another, don't they? And all of a sudden, you know, you may have never wanted a shelf. But now they look pretty good, don't they? Right? It, it just changes. Our heart's desires change as we delight in the Lord. And, and we tune our hearts to His. All of a sudden, our desires get in sync. And things that are important to Him become important to us. And all of a sudden, it opens up this idea of committing your way to the Lord. Trusting in Him. And believing that He will act. Now, this is all part of our prayer life. Because when you commit your plans to God before you start to act on them, He does some incredible things. He gives you purpose and perspective in those plans. Now, I know you would never do like I've done and just jump off into some stuff and then holler out, Jesus, bless it. We're already down the road. Bless it. We're going to do this. I should have prayed about this last month, but I didn't. Now, bless it. Help me, Jesus, because you know I've messed up already. Bless it. It doesn't work. Commit your way to the Lord. You commit it before you act on it. You trust in him, and then he will act. That's such a difference when we're prayerfully committed to the Lord and the plans that we've made. And that kind of leads us to where verse 7 comes into play in this whole idea of praying and delighting in the Lord. Look at it again. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. You know the way you wrestle through tough situations where it just seems like the world has lost its mind or things aren't fair at the company or you feel like you're getting a, a bad rap at school or you just feel like people don't understand or you feel like you're doing the right thing and evil keeps prospering over and over and over again is to be silent and wait. You know, for some of you, you already know this because you're practicing this in your prayer life and you know the joy of just being silent before the Lord. For others of us, the silence is deafening. It's deafening. We can't stand it. We have to have music on. We have to have the TV on all the time. We're never just quiet. Where we just stop, we enjoy him, and we sit silently. Why would we sit silently? Why would we do that? Well, it's because... We need this opportunity to be quiet before the Lord. It's like the prophet said. The Lord's on his throne. Let the whole earth be still. Be quiet. Rest. Sitting silently in his presence could be one of the biggest missing pieces of our prayer lives. I run in. I read my Bible. I jump through my prayer list. I'm out the door. Obligation met. Check. That's not what we're after. That's not enjoying the Lord. That's not delighting in the Lord. That, that's not giving any opportunity for him to speak as we meditate on his word. That's not giving opportunity for the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts, to shape our hearts, to form our hearts. It, it comes when we're silent before him. When everything else is turned off, you know what that means? Your senses are really tuned in and turned on to what God's doing. Just to be quiet before him. And then it says that we're to wait expectantly this means with hope. 
We're not sitting idly by. We're waiting with expectation to see the word of the Lord fulfilled. We're counting on his promises. And even though that promise may be delayed, we're believing that his promises are always fulfilled. And when he says the wicked will not prosper, that they will be gone tomorrow, he means it. So we wait expectantly for God to move on our behalf, expectantly for him to right the wrongs, expectantly for him to show up and prove himself to us over and over again. Do you believe that he will? Your actions speak louder than your answer just did. You know, a few weeks ago, on a Thursday afternoon and evening, I found myself with one of these just burn-ons. I mean, it, it started in here, And the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to write a cuss word down and sign my name to it. I was hot. You know what I mean? I was hot, just burning. I went to bed that night and I got up the next morning and guess what? I was still burning about it. Still just just frustrated and agitated and angry about it. And I went into our little study that we have at home and I shut the door after taking the kids to school and I opened my Bible and I started reading it. Closed it. Tried to pray. Closed it. Got up from there and was still angry about it. The, the, the anger and the seething that was going on there about this issue that I, I have zero control over, truthfully. I can't affect it in any way, shape, or form. At this point, robbed me of the joy of the Lord. It robbed me of, of that opportunity that Friday morning just to sit before the Creator, just for Him to speak, maybe for Him to open up one of these Psalms and, and use it in my life, and I couldn't get there because I was agitated. There was no delight. You cannot do it. It won't work. It's a barrier. I don't want you to do like I did and waste any more of your energy on anything but loving the Lord. There's no good that comes out of it. Only ruin and harm. Harm to you because it's robbing you of your joy and your delight in the Lord. You may have never delighted in the Lord because... You don't know him. He seems like he's far off. He seems like you could never get there. And yet, the good news of the scripture is that God came near to us in Jesus Christ. And if you've never experienced the forgiveness of your sins and known that Jesus Christ loves you, let me just tell you, it's available to you this morning. No one has to know God from afar. No one has to stand outside the house and look trying to peer through the window to get this idea of what family is like. You can be part of this family if you would confess your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for them, that he rose on the third day. He offers you that forgiveness, and that's how you begin to delight in the Lord. And I want you to know something. God delighted in you so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place and in my place before we were even ready to confess him. God, knowing that we were sinners, still loved us enough to do that. And if you've never come to that place in your life where you've answered the knock of the Savior on the door of your heart, I want to encourage you today. Open that door and let him in. Delight in him. 
God's not something to be despised. God's not something to be feared. God is something to know, to love, because he wants to know you. He has created you on purpose, and he has loved you with an everlasting love this morning. For those of us who are believers, I want you to respond this morning in the same way that I just asked those who are not believers to respond, with confession. Could you confess this morning Maybe, hey, I've not been delighting in the Lord. I've been seeking pleasure and enjoyment in other places, from other things, or I've allowed circumstances to rob me of my joy from the Lord. I've not had perspective on this. I have not been delighting in who he is. Maybe you would say this morning, I don't know where to begin. How about just waiting? Just waiting on the Lord. Committing through our reset process just to wait before him. As you read the scriptures and just sit silently before him knowing that he's going to speak. I ask you to do that this morning because I think that's important for us as we go forward. As as we think about resetting our lives towards prayer and our affections back on the Lord where we're really delighting and enjoying him. I ask you to do that this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's Again, a a little bit unusual, but I'm going to ask you to adopt the posture of prayer. As many of you as can come, I'm going to ask you to come and kneel at the altar or to take a a, a kneeling position if if you're able at your seat. If you're not able, maybe to take a humble position of your hands extended where you just take a moment. We're going to wait and delight on the Lord as Kirk comes and leads us. I'm going to ask Kirk and Daniel if they'll come on. And I'm going to ask you just to make your way to the front. Take that posture of kneeling at your seat. Whatever it is, let's ask the Lord right now to show us his love and his glory as we delight in him.